good. Amen. Amen. And his mercy endures forever. Praise God. So what a, what a good testimony. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear the glad to hear that testimony. I, I told Annie, I said, I'm glad that you got that raise because I got my eyes on something right now. And that's just enough to cover it every month. <laughs> <laughs> Shelby, Shelby, even looking at me like, I, I, but I can't guess who influenced you in this. <laughs> anyway, praise the Lord. But um, glory to God. What a what a great uh, oh, last Wednesday. What a great uh, video that we got to watch with uh, Benny Hinn. And you know, it's been a long time since I sat and really listened to Brother Benny Hinn. Um, you know, he, uh, of course, he's done lots of, uh, uh, I think uh, maybe somebody might be trying to get through that door there, but uh, um, uh, please use the other door. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, it's been a while since I'd listened to Brother Benny Hinn, and I know different people have different ideas, different opinions about different ministers of the gospel, but there's no doubt that, you know, over the years, Watching Benny Hinn's life and ministry, you know, it's played out right in front of everyone in, in, uh, on Christian television and otherwise, <laughs> usually Inside Edition, um, you know, things like that. But, uh, and of course, they have a totally different perspective uh, than TBN. <laughs> but there's, no, there's one thing that there's no denying, and that is that the Spirit of God has rested upon his life and his ministry. And... Um, he has a love for Jesus, just like we do, and, uh, and some of his some of his doctrine is uh, what a friend of mine called creative theology. I've always rather enjoyed listening to Benny Hinn because uh, he he makes you think, and you have to really you have to really dig into the Word of God. And uh, if you're you know if you don't dig in, if you've just got your your religious ideas and your religious thinking, many times you can miss out on some of the things that are are really the just these small nuances, these you know, little things that most people don't see because they don't enter into the measure of the anointing. So how many of you got the book and started reading the book of the Mysteries of the Anointing? Several of you have. I decided I was going to download it, and I went to download the book to read it. Instead, I downloaded the audio book, and I thought, oh. But anyway, it did allow me to be able to punch a button and listen to it. And so I started listening to it on a Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. And uh, yeah, Monday. And yeah, I listened to it yesterday too. But uh, but boy, I was surprised. I was surprised by the uh, what he's. Uh, I, I encourage you to read that. So far, I've, I'm into the second part. Um, and uh, great book. It is a great, great book. He says a lot of great things. Uh, a lot of experiential things. You could tell that Benny Hinn is in a different uh, uh, stage of his life and ministry. Uh, I think he sees uh, the importance of uh, leaving a uh, uh, leaving a legacy, and and uh, people uh, being affected by the knowledge and the wisdom that uh, God has given him. So, anyhow, uh, do y'all have any questions in in regards to what we talked about last Wednesday? What I preached on this past Sunday concerning the anointing and the uh, and that particular, you know, because the ministry of the Spirit, what we've been talking about is the gifts and the ministries of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, uh, I felt like that last Wednesday, uh, the nature of the questions that we had kind of revealed that there's still 
some, some of us, even though we've been here a while, uh, and some of you have heard teaching on the, the Holy Spirit, uh, and some of you have been in church for a long time, heard teaching on the Holy Spirit, it, it makes me understand that we, I don't think the church at large really understands the, uh, the way the Holy Spirit operates in the life of a believer and the difference between, for example, the difference between God's anointing in us and God's anointing upon us and how that there are anointings that differ. Um, it's, it's just, uh, you, can't, you can't put the anointing into one uh, particular category. And I think that we try to. We try to, we try to make sense of it. You know, we try to kind of glop it all together in, in hopes that it, we can you know, understand it better. But uh, you can't really do that. You've got to look at a scripture, and a scripture certainly uh, teaches us and shows us that there are differences in the, the way the Holy Spirit uh, ministers in us, uh, how, how when he comes upon us, it's a totally different deal. And, the, the, and if you've never experienced uh, the different workings of, of the Holy Spirit in your life, uh, you never really can pinpoint what, well, what we're talking about until you experience the, the way the Holy Spirit moves. Um, it's kind of like driving a car. You can sit in a driver's ed class. It don't become real till you get behind that wheel and push the accelerator. Um, now everything's different. You know, I remember, I remember the first time I got behind the wheel of a car, I took my first corner at about 40 miles an hour. It looked like a scene out of Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> you have to be old like me to remember Starsky and Hutch. But anyhow, <laughs> Ms. Round is like, I don't know nothing about what you're saying. <laughs> Me and Dwayne, was before me and Dwayne Johnson was born. <laughs> but anyhow, any, any questions? Do you have any questions? And, and I, I encourage you, don't, ask, uh, don't uh, be afraid to ask questions. And don't be afraid that you're, uh, you're, you're, people are going to think that your questions are stupid or that, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to come to the conclusion that you're a moron or anyone else is going to think that because that's not, that's not it at all. They're, they're so, there's such a... Uh, you know, one time, let me tell you this testimony, and then I'll, then I'll open up for questions. And if there's no questions, then we'll, we'll move forward. But um, I had a group of girl, girls and guys, and one guy, three, three girls, I think it was, that traveled with me back when I was, uh, I was a youth pastor, an associate pastor for a while in South Oklahoma City at a church called Dayspring. And I was there, Annie and I were there for about four years. I thought it was a demotion, because I'd been an evangelist from the time I was 16 up until I was 21. 22 years old, and then at 22, the Lord has us to, to get on staff at this church as youth pastors, and that wasn't really appealing to me, but it was, it was definitely the will of the Lord. Thank you, Debbie. It was definitely the will of God for us to do that. Um, it was very supernatural how the Lord brought us to that place, but I went to this church, and it was an Assembly of God church, but many people in that church had never encountered um, the, the manifested presence of God in the way that we were, that I was experiencing in my life and in my ministry. Many people had never been slain under the power of the spirit. Some people say, what does that mean slain in the spirit? Well, you've seen people, you know, have hands laid on them and, and some people will fall out under the, under what we call fall out under the power. Some people, they're like that, that scares me. Well, you know, what ought to scare you is when somebody's drinking, you know, at a party and they pass out and they don't know, you know, they black out for three days or two days or whatever. Uh, that, that's what ought to be scary. But, you know, most of the time we, you know, in the world, when someone passed out drunk, all we did was push them aside and keep partying. It wasn't spooky to us. Now, all of a sudden, we get in church and people start getting under the influence of the spirit. And, and, and all of a sudden, there's this 
uh, there's this anxiety that comes on us. And you think we understand that the reason why that is, is, is because, and throw, throw 1 Corinthians chapter 2 up here. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and, uh, verse, um, verse 6, I think, we'll see. Uh, next, next, next verse. Ugh. Go to, go, can you put it in the King James? Next verse. Oh. No, go, go on, Joe, I'll tell you when to quit. Keep, keep, keep. All right, yeah, right there is good. Two nine, we can start with that. Look, look what this says. And, and so some people, you wonder, uh, so when the Spirit of God begins to be manifested, when the Holy Spirit begins to move and, and God's Spirit begins to work, uh, some people wonder why that they experience, some people will experience anxiety or they'll experience, um, well, number one, does anxiety come from the Lord? Now, let me ask you a question. Even if God was trying to keep you out of trouble, does he bring anxiety to keep you out of trouble? No. And so the Bible tells us this, we're, uh, be careful for nothing. Or in, in, in another translation, it says this, be anxious for nothing. So the Bible commands us to not be anxious. Why? Well, because it's not the fruit of the spirit. It's not, it's not, it's not how God leads us. So when we feel anxious, so you say, well, how do I know when I'm, I'm headed toward trouble? Well, yeah, that's a good question. How do you know? It's just a knowing that you know that you know. It's not associated with any particular feeling. We've got to quit being led by our feelings, and we have to be led by faith and by the Word of God. Y'all hear me? So, but some people associate, you know, a feeling of anxiety or being unsettled or whatever as being of the Lord trying to get them out of a situation. Now, you can, there, there can be an unsettling or a, a, in your spirit, just something just doesn't sit right. But it, it's not, a, it's not a, 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 anxiety shouldn't be associated with it. I, a perfect example is when uh, the Lord was trying to get me to uh, embrace pouring into our couples at the couples retreat. I'm trying to get Pastor Harris out here and I'm unsettled in my spirit. But I can't, I can't pinpoint what, what that means, why that is. And it wasn't until I understood that the Lord wanted me to be the one that ministered at the couple's retreat that all of a sudden that unsettling settled. And it's like the Lord said, ding, 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 ding. Finally, you know, it's like I won Plinko or something on The Price is Right. So, but look what this says. It says, as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither the end of the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Uh, but God has, next verse, but keep, just keep going uh, whenever I'm, I'm going to keep reading. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. So if we're going to know the things of the spirit, we have to rely upon the Holy Spirit. Not upon your head, not upon, I feel like, you know, I can't put my finger on it. Listen, if you can't put your finger on it, don't rely on it. Did y'all hear what I said? If, if, you're, if you think you're being spiritual and you're like, well, you know, I, I just don't know about that. Well, you know what? If you don't know, then how's that going to help you if you don't know? The, the truth is, is that God wants to lead you by his spirit. Amen. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. Amen. Um, in fact, the Bible says we're to be led by the spirit. So for one man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man, which is in him. Even so, the things of God know no man, knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. In other words, nobody knows you like your own spirit. 
In fact, there's stuff that nobody will ever know about you. Not even the, there are things that Annie don't know about me that only God knows and my own spirit knows. Even so, that's what the Bible says. Even so, there are things that only the spirit of God knows and can reveal to us. It's because he knows the deep things of God. And that's what this will go on to say. But the spirit which, uh, uh, but we've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but what the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now this is the part I wanted you to see. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You can stop there. Because they are spiritually discerned. And so um, anxiety or... Or, or you know, feeling that feeling. The reason you feel that way is because the natural man doesn't comprehend the things of the Spirit. The natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit. You've got to be in the Spirit to get those things of the Spirit. You're, no matter how much you try to wrap your head around, and I know some of you are studious. Thank God that some of you study the Word of God. But the, the letter without the Spirit is dead. And so we've got to make sure that we allow the influence of the Holy Spirit, even in our studying. In everything that we do, the, uh, the, uh, um, we've got to make sure that the Holy Spirit is allowed first to work in us and in our life to lead us in all that we do. So, you know, as you, as you study the Word of God, you got to let the Holy Spirit lead you through the Word of God. When you read the Word of God, and I think it may have, this may have been in the book, I, I don't know, um, he said so much in that book that I've been saying for a long time in a little bit different ways, some of it. But, um, but when, we, when we read the Word of God, uh, we can look at the Word of God, and as we read it, you know, the Word of God says what it says. We can look at it, and it just says what it says. For example, that scripture there, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit. Oh, let, me give you, let me give you another example. Remember that verse that says this, uh, that says, uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You remember that? So what does that say? Well, you, your battle isn't with people. Your battle is with spiritual forces. Isn't that what it's saying? That's what it says. I mean, at face value, that's what it says. But then when you get the Holy Spirit involved, he can bring revelation and bring a perspective on a scripture that you can't just see by looking at it. And, and reading it. So that particular verse of scripture, um, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of the world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Someone got a revelation and, and they said, do you know what that verse is talking about is the hierarchy of demons. Principalities being the lowest form of, 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 of demonic power that we have to deal with. Powers being the next level of, of of devils that we deal with. Principal powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, the next level of, of, of spirit that we deal with. So these are, these are the rankings of evil spirits, of, of demonic forces that we fight against. Now, you know, that came by revelation of the spirit. And then sometimes you look at the, at the word, and when you look at it from a historical perspective, you can get a whole different idea of historically what the Word of God talks about. I remember I was reading a verse of Scripture um, where Paul, where Paul, uh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Where, where Paul um, was talking about, um, talking to the, uh, uh, with that, 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 that particular verse there, 
Uh, for we wrestle. That's, that's it. I was, gonna, I was trying to figure out the verse. I'm like, where was that? Oh, yeah, it's the same one I'm talking about. Uh, for we wrestle. So uh, historically, so we've seen, it, we've seen it for what it said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What does it mean? We don't, we're not fighting against man. We're fighting against spirits. Uh, the second way, th- through revelation, uh, principalities, low devils, powers, next step up. Rulers of the darkness, next step up. Spiritual wickedness in high places, the highest form of, of evil spirits that we, uh, and uh, uh, Brother Hagin said, we don't even have to deal with those. But then when you look at that verse historically, Paul said this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Say this, we wrestle not. We wrestle not. Say it again. We wrestle not. Say it again. We wrestle not. So when you look historically, in Paul's day, the Olympics were just beginning and wrestling was one of the events. Well, the Olympics back then wasn't the same as the Olympics today. So when you look at the word wrestling and you, you try to figure out the context of why Paul would use the term, we wrestle not, when you look at wrestling back in Paul's day, in the Olympics of Paul's day, when they wrestled, it wasn't just for medals. It wasn't just for, no, it wasn't for the place on a Wheaties box. But wrestling was a serious thing. A wrestling match, the victor in the wrestling match, you might lose your life in a wrestling match back in Paul's day. But one of the things specific to wrestling in Paul's day was this, is that if, if you lost a wrestling match in Paul's day, then the one who won the wrestling match, the victor, had the right to take a hot iron and sear out the eyes of the individual that they won against and to leave that person blind for the rest of their life. In other words, if you lost a wrestling match in Paul's day, you lost your vision. And so then when you look at it historically, maybe, maybe, maybe that's what Paul was trying to get across to whoever it was he was talking to, the Corinthian church. <laughs> or no, no, I mean, wrestle not, no, to the Ephesians, the church at Ephesus. Um, maybe what he was trying to get across to them was if you lose oh, this wrestling match in the spirit, you're not in danger of losing your natural vision. You're in danger of losing your spiritual vision, which when you look at it in the context of life, you know what? You never saw clear. You never saw more clearly in the spirit than the day you got born again. Isn't that Right. And on the day you got born again, I don't know about y'all, but on the day I got born again, the vision that I had was I'm going to go win the whole world for Jesus. I mean, I knew I could do it too. I'm like, man, I'm going to win the world. And there was nothing going to stop me. There's a, there's a fire in my being. And um, people said, oh, you'll, you'll get over that. No, I won't. Bless God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win the whole world. And, but then you have a battle. Anybody go through any of those? You go through a battle, and some of the battles that we've faced, we didn't win. And so we have these battles, and we, we come out on the other side of the battle, maybe not winning the battle. We went into a wrestling match, and maybe we didn't win the wrestling match. And after we come out of that battle, you know, after, after being born again for about two or three years, people aren't saying, I'm going to win the world. Now they're saying, well, you know, I'm at least going to win my city. Praise God. Then they go through a few more battles, and then it's like, well, I'm going to win my neighbor, at least my neighbor. <laughs> then they're in church for 20 years, and then they're like, man, I hope I can just win for myself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I hope I make it to heaven. You know, it, it changes because little by little, when you, are y'all hearing me? Yeah. Y'all ought to be hearing this. 
The more, the more battles you lose, the more the enemy tries to take your vision and steal your ability to see what God caused you to see clearly in the beginning. And so when we look at scripture, we have to sometimes look at scripture uh, through the uh, revelation, um, through uh, just what it says. And then sometimes when we look at it historically, it, there's a lot of value in what it tells us historically. But this one, the natural man receives not the thing of the things of the spirit for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Here's what you need to know about that is that it's only by the spirit that you're going to, that you're really going to comprehend, that you're really going to get a hold of. What I said to you here today is a perfect example of it. I mean, there are people that believe there were three wise men because of nativity scenes all over the world. You know, they, they don't bother to look at the word of God and find out that that's not true. That there wasn't a black, an Asian, and a white man that showed up with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There were three gifts, but not three wise men. Paul didn't fall off of a big white horse on the road to Damascus. There was no horse in that story. <laughs> the reason why Zacchaeus was so freaked out when Jesus called out his name is because Jesus had never been in that town before, and Jesus was calling out his name supernaturally by the Spirit. That's why he jumped out of the tree. He didn't jump out of the tree because Jesus was famous. He jumped out of the tree because there's a man that walked into town that he had never met, that he had never known, that called him by name, looked him in the face and said, I'm going to your house. That's why Jesus, that's why he opened up his house to Jesus. He's like a man that I never met, knew my name. Now, see, when you, when, but when you, uh, sometimes when we just read the Bible, we're studying the word without the spirit, we miss out on all these things that God really wants to show us and tell us. Oh, yeah. So um, don't, don't, don't allow yourself to be scared off by your, your insecurities, your discomfort, or by the enemy who will try to make you anxious about the things of the spirit. God, God, the Bible says that the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. You are the sons of God. That means you ought to be led by the spirit. Amen. And you shouldn't fear when the spirit of God begins to move. You say, well, brother Ziggy, what if it's the devil? Well, you know what? Then you'll identify it and you won't follow that. But you'll identify when it's the Holy Spirit and you'll follow him. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Well, what if, what if someone comes in here and they're under the influence of a bad spirit? <laughs> well, we're, we're not going to get under the influence of that spirit. <laughs> Are y'all hearing me? We're not going to get under the influence of that spirit. We're going to stay under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, now, how, how, how can you be, uh, become susceptible to a, a bad spirit? By not learning how to flow and follow the Holy Spirit. By not walking after the Spirit yourself, by relying upon your own head, or by what you see, or by what you feel, or by what you think you know. We're not that, folks, we're not that smart. We really need the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. You know, some of us are drawn to things that are good stuff and godly stuff, and God don't want us having no part of some of the stuff that, that is good and godly and right. So God, you know, God wants us to, to be uh, about other things. And the only way we identify that is by the Spirit. Okay, so any questions about what we had been talking about uh, concerning the... Yes, Jess. Uh, the, uh, the anointing. Yes, the anointing. <laughs> um, so, uh, sorry if this is not completely related, but I was really surprised by everything Benny Hinn talked about. <laughs> it, was, it helped clarify like a lot of things for me. <clears throat> 
that I didn't even know I was kind of like struggling with, but um, so I grew up in a Baptist background, yes. and most of my friends are primarily of that same background. And so we've all had these kinds of similar conversations recently about like, man, all these people who like, they're in leadership or in ministry, and then they just like do these things, and we're like, why? Like, that's so hurtful, or that's so, you know, hard for people to um, forgive, or, you know, it makes people walk away from the faith. And so we were having these conversations, and when I heard what Benny Hinn was talking about and then what you were talking about, how the anointing, you know, if someone's not in a relationship with the Lord, but they're under an anointing, like it stirs up also bad things that cause people to go and sin in these magnificent ways. And so I was trying to share that with someone who I'm good friends with. And as soon as I mentioned the name Benny Hinn, I could just see she like shut down. Like she didn't really care to hear about like what he had to say about anything and I was kind of struggling through that conversation like oh I really want to kind of express like no this is a good thing because like it helps us understand why people do what they do and that it has nothing to do with God and that God's gifts are still good but as soon as I saw she was shutting down I was like oh I don't know how to come back from this and so I started second guessing like when I talked to my friends who have these, like me, I grew up hearing like, Benny Hinn is not good, like don't listen to him. I heard that about a lot of preachers and I still struggle in those ways too, but I wanna share like the things I've learned because I think it's really helpful, but is it wise for me to just maybe not mention those names? Sometimes it's wise to not mention anybody's name because people have an aversion just because of an individual and maybe some problems that they had with the way that individual you know, methods uh, methods of ministry. There are people, I don't know if you all realize this, I know you all pretty much like me, but there are a lot of people that have a big problem with me and my ministry. Big problems. And um, most of which have to do with uh, my boldness and, um, and, the, and, the, and the way the Lord manifests himself during um, meetings. Um, people, people struggle with the uh, demonstration of the power of God. And... Um, they definitely struggle with whenever we're talking, when, as, when a preacher, one of the things that people don't like about Benny Hinn is his talk when he talks about finances. That's a lot of pe- people's problem with a lot of preachers, a lot of misery. Here's, you know, here's what I, I, I try to tell people. You know, you can solve that problem if you'll just start giving. Quit sticking it down your pie hole and start you know, quit quit making ten per, you know less than ten percent of the church do hundred percent of the work financially. Oh, you know, some the Bible talks about the tithe belongs to the Lord. There's still some people that are part of our church, and I'm I'm not I'm not being ugly. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's important that we understand this. A tithe is a tenth. A tithe doesn't become a tithe because you wrote it in the memo of your check. <laughs> a tithe is a tenth. And so some of us are trying to get away with tipping God. Well, you can't get, God don't want your tips. He's looking for your obedience. He don't even need your money. He's looking for your obedience. Because if we'll obey him, if we're willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. Uh, we, we position ourselves for blessing. So, um, but when you start talking like that as a minister, this idea that what you're trying to do is extort money from people. And um, they don't bother to really get to know. You know, Ethan Robinson, the guy that came to Revival, 
earlier this year. He came with his wife, Abigail, from uh, Toledo. You know, first, first uh, meeting that, that he was in, I was at his church. And, you know, that guy shut me off right away from the, from the minute I started, from the minute I opened my mouth. He didn't want, in fact, he came to me and he said, you know, um, you're not really right. I was like, well, right now, neither are you. So I guess two wrongs don't make a right. I said, I never claimed to be right about everything, but you seem to know, you seem to know uh, the difference between right and wrong and everybody, everything else for everybody. So, And I was straight up with him. I'm like, hmm. it's unfortunate. I mean, I wish, I wish you could at least plug in. I said, I wish you could have at least found one truth that you could have agreed with so it didn't bother you so badly that I was so wrong. Surely I said something tonight that we could have agreed on and you could have come to me and said, hey, you know, I really liked this that you said instead of trying to correct me, which was wrong on your part. And so you know, I kept, he would come and talk to me every day and I'd rebuke him nearly every day. It was almost, well, I say rebuke. It wasn't really a rebuke as much as it was, you know, we, he, he was bold and I was glad he was. Don't get me wrong. I was glad he was. I think that uh, he needed to say it. He needed to tell it. But it wasn't, and there's, there's probably still things that he doesn't agree with with my theology or whatever. But at some point, he came to realize that none of us have a corner on truth. When we all get there, you know what? When we all get to heaven, God's not going to say to not one of us, man, you did it all right. Everyone, here's the example, you know, of... This is how you should have done it. Here's John MacArthur, and he was the best of the best. That ain't going to happen. He's going to look at John MacArthur, and he's going to look at Hank Hanegraaff, and he's going to look at Benny Hinn, and he's going to look at Oral Roberts. He's going to look at every one of us, and he's going to say, none of y'all had it all completely right, but well done. <laughs> Come on in. You know? And that's going to mess with people. <laughs> Praise God. But anyhow, so you do have to use wisdom. Um, you have to use wisdom. Uh, sometimes you just have to say, we were in a study at our church and we found out there was a minister that said this. And, you know, some people would be like, oh, you know, all of a sudden they're receiving. Um, you know, that, that's when he becomes Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> it's funny that uh, I heard a young man tell Benny Hinn, you know, why have you taught so much on finances for all these years? You know, we've loved your ministry. We love the anointing on your life. The only thing we had a problem with is what you had to say about money. I wanted to reach out and slap him because number one, the kid, what does he know? He's 20 something years old. Benny Hinn is in his seventies uh, now. You know, uh, Benny Hinn, by default, knows way more than this kid will ever know. Go ahead, man. How in the, how dare you? You've never been to, that kid never went to India and preached in front of six million people. And he's going to tell Benny Hinn that he had it wrong with, about money. And that's the only problem they had with him. Well, you know what? Keep on having the problem while I go and preach to six million Hindus in India and, and risk my life for the gospel. You know, put that, you know, Take that and, and put it under your pillow during your burn Go ahead, and pray about it while you, <sighs> if you can fit that into the, into the pocket of your little skinny jeans, just tuck it in there somewhere for later. <laughs> Them jeans have cut off the circulation to your brain. <laughs> 
Maybe you ought to try some loose pants. <laughs> but it does. It, bo- it bothers me that people will look at someone who's accomplished so much and then try to nitpick, you know, the things that they don't like. And that's a part of why this generation has gotten away from the anointing. What that kid don't understand is a part of the reason why he can't get in the same flow of the anointing as Benny in is because of these hangups that he has. He has these hangups, and because he has these hangups, he can't really enter into the fullness of the flow. Because there's no way. You can't receive, you can't receive from someone you despise. And you can't receive something that you, you despise. I mean, a perfect example is what Jess is talking about. That this, there was something in this, in this person that they despised Benny Hinn. Guess what? They aren't going to be recipients of what he has to say. And that's, a, that's, a, that's tragic. Because he has something to say. It has something to offer. Very few people have, 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 uh, very few people have gotten up in front of uh, 30, 40,000 people or millions of people and worship God for four hours. Oh, yeah. You know, when you go to a Benny Hinn crusade, he's only up there for a couple of hours, but you're there for five. For three hours, they're leading you into the presence of God in worship. They worship and they sing for about three hours at a Benny Hinn meeting. And that's how they they get over there in the presence of God. And once he gets in the presence of God, then the gift of God kicks in and and start to to happen. Um, But you know, that's not what what people recognize. They don't say, man, you know what? We really got in the presence of God tonight. I uh, sure did talk about money a lot. Well, it costs a lot of money to do stuff that we're doing. Oh, yeah. Boy, that's right. Where you want us to get it at? That's right. Yes, go ahead. Praise yes. God. Go ahead now. It's my call to do what I'm doing. It's other people. You know, you, you know what I'm saying. Praise God. Anyhow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go. Then Anna. So I don't know, honestly, how to ask this question, but I feel like it's been bothering me since. I know, remember the question I asked the yes. other day? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just been bothering me like every day. <clears throat> um, Does it concern you because of you, you don't want it? You don't want to fall into a trap of, of, of sitting under somebody that maybe has problems that well i kind of feel like i love this church i've never felt the power of god like i i'm not trying to i'm not trying to kiss your butt or anything like that but i'm just being <laughs> honest. Uh, i've never felt the power of god like i felt it at this church with <clears> the people <throat> i mean it's just well-rounded and everything and i'm like god i know you sent us here for a reason but dang thank you so much i'm so appreciative of this i don't know how we were blessed with this but i don't know i don't know what to do with it just yet but i'm figuring it out so basically, um, I guess this is what I'm trying to ask. When I was a kid, I was in my church church all the time, Pentecostal churches, and there was a pastor. He prophesied a lot of things on my life. Um, they haven't come to fruition yet, but right. maybe now I'm kind of considering maybe I know why. Because he was, I, I feel like he was very anointed. Like he would preach the word and it would be great. And you were like, man, I got something from that. But then all of a sudden, he was having an affair with um, somebody from church. Right. And then all of a sudden, you could see when he was preaching that day, when he was going to announce it, 
you knew it. I was like, this is off. I told my, my best friend, I was like, something's off today. Mm. And then all of a sudden, bam, he told all of us. And then so, like, after the whole Benny Hinn video and everything, like, started to question, like, are these things that he said, spoke about my life and stuff like that, are these all fake? You know, now, so now I'm kind of like, do I scratch all of that, delete all of that out of my life and then move on? And, you know, if somebody speaks, you know, That's prophecy good, or anything like that. That is a good question. I don't know. I'm a little lost. <clears throat> what do you do? What do you do when you've received from a ministry that later the, the, the guy fails, has a moral failure, has comes out that he wasn't everything that, you know, <clears throat> I was, there's a, there's a man that I went and saw preach. Um, I, I'd, I'd, I'd heard about him. His, his name was Leroy Jenkins, and you can, you can still find videos of him online. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, um, but, <clears throat> but if you want to see some, some, uh, some uh, well, skip over the preaching, skip over the miracle water, uh, you know, fish hooks from Peter's tackle box, toothpicks carved out of the cross of Jesus, uh, you know, for your love gift of $1,000 or whatever. The, the, he was that type of guy, you know, he would... Uh, he had this thing during his program, God led Leroy to a miracle well. Well, when I went to his church, the well was like right outside the back door of the church. And, and this well was supposedly a well of miracle water. And so he was selling jugs of gallon jugs for your love gift of $1,000. We're going to send you a gallon of miracle water. For any gift, we'll send you just a little, you know, little vial, you know, but if you'll really sell, we'll send you a gallon, you know, uh, if you become a partner and, you know, so much, we'll send you a gallon a month, you know, and then testimonies of people that drank this water. Well, they ended up shutting the well down because of the bacteria that was, uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't safe to drink. But, um, but, Le but Leroy, went to he went to prison for insurance fraud. Um, he burned down his own church to collect the insurance money. Tried to do it a second time and almost went to prison again. Um, while Annie and I lived in Columbus, which is the area where he was from, he married a 98-year-old woman. She, and she just happened to be a multimillionaire. And was and and she and she was uh, in the in the er, in the early stages of dementia, and so the marriage was annulled uh, by her family. And so, but this guy now here's the testimony. Um, a friend of mine called me and said, "Hey, brother Ziggy, uh, do you want to go with us? We're going over to Columbus area. We're going to go hear this brother named Leroy Leroy Jenkins." <laughs> and, and I heard her say that. And I was like. I said, you're going to hear Leroy Jenkins? She said, yes. I said, I said, you know he's like not right, don't you? I mean, he's, he's a little bit, you know, uh, yeah, he's a little sus. <laughs> you know, and, then, and, and she was, and this girl, she's like, yeah. She says, I, I know. She says, I know. And, and um, I said, well, why do you want to go hear him? She goes, well, our pastor's. The pastors, they were in their church. Our pastors went and heard him years ago. My pastor's wife was diagnosed with stage four cancer. They gave her up to die of cancer. She had gone through some treatments, but she eventually stopped the treatments. They told her, if you stop the treatments, you don't have very long to live. She said, I'm going to trust God. She was stage four cancer. She was dying. Her husband and her went to Leroy Jenkins meetings, one of his meetings. They went into this big auditorium. Listen to what I'm about to tell y'all. They went into this big auditorium. There are over a thousand people there. Leroy Jenkins comes onto the platform 
And he's very flashy, very, you know, wears sparkly coats and, and whatnot, has Elvis-style hairdo, and, and um, looks, he looks more like a, a, a country singer out of Nashville than he does a, a preacher. But he gets, and he has kind of a lisp. Um, let me tell you Leroy Jenkins' story. God, God healed Leroy Jenkins of uh, Gain Green. He had cut his arm and um, it, it had infected and it, it, he'd gotten Gain Green. The doctors wanted to remove his arm. And A.A. A. Allen was in town and had a tent set up in town. And he went to the A.A. A. Allen meeting. Well, Allen laid hands on him and God healed his arm. And he, the Gain Green left and God restored his arm. And that's when he got, uh, God touched him and anointed him to, heal, to minister healing to, to the sick, was in that meeting with Brother Allen. So uh, they go to the Jenkins meeting. They're up in the balcony because they couldn't get on the floor. And so Jenkins comes in, and they're singing, and they're doing music. And someone gets up and comes up and says, you're not, they, just a, someone who's being, you know, ugly, gets up from the front and goes in front of the stage and says, you're not a man of God. How, you're, you're a charlatan. You, you, you are not of God. And so Leroy Jenkins jumps off of the platform and onto this guy and starts beating him with the microphone. And all you can hear, the, 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 the testimony of this pastor was, all you can hear is the thud from the microphone hitting this man. And they're clear in the back, in the balcony, in the nosebleed. There are a thousand, over a thousand people there. And she looks over at her husband and she says, how could, a man of, how could anyone who is a man of God do something like that? And right then, all the noise stopped. And he, he stops beating this guy with the microphone and he points his finger up in the balcony and he said, someone just said up there in the balcony, how could that man be a man of God and act like that? He said, I'll tell you how I be a man of God. They told you you have cancer and that you die, but you're being healed of your cancer right now. Go home. You're healed. She was healed of that cancer and she's alive today. Totally healed supernaturally. Now see, now that's that. You want to talk about trying to reason that out. Here's the thing. The anointing isn't that man. When the anointing comes on someone, 1 Samuel, um, 1 Samuel, let's, I'm going to show you something. Oh, First uh, Samuel chapter sixteen. No, oh, no, I'm sorry, chapter ten. My glasses. <laughs> Look what it says. First Samuel chapter ten. Ooh, this is good. It says, and this is this is. Uh, this is the prophet Samuel prophesying over Saul. Now, let me, let me ask you something about Saul. What do you know about Saul? What do you all know about Saul? He was king of Israel, right? Was, was Saul God's plan for Israel? Do you all remember? No. God never intended for Saul to be king. How did Saul become king? Do you all remember? The people prayed. And when they prayed, they moved God through their... Do you know you can move God through prayer to the point where he'll do stuff for you that he don't really want to do? Go ahead now. That that's not his plan. It's not his desire for your life. But if you keep asking him in the name of Jesus, 
He promised you you could have whatever, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive him. That's why we got to be led by the Spirit. Because Israel wanted a king. And God wanted to give him a king, but he didn't want to give him a king right then. So they prayed and, God, and they prayed and prayed and prayed and asked for a king, and God gave him Saul. Saul wasn't God's plan for Israel. David was God's plan for Israel. But Israel wanted Saul. That's what happened with us and Trump. Anyhow, <laughs> it's true. The Lord spoke that to me. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord told me, and I've, I think I to, may have told it already once. Maybe I told it on the video. The Lord spoke to me and he told me. I, I, I've, I held on to this because I know I'm going to make people mad, but I know it's going to have to be told. He told me so I would tell it. Trump was a Saul. Trump was not God's man. Trump is what was produced because God's people prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And that's what they, I don't, listen, I don't care what Yehu says that, that I'm going to tell you right now, Israel, they were like, God answered our prayers. Ah! Well, if, if he was a man of God, why did he never give God any glory the whole time he was in office? Same as, same as Saul. Saul never sought the glory of God. He only sought his own glory. Yeah, but he was an answer to prayer. That didn't mean he was God's choice. The church, the church forgets how much authority we have. Trump still hadn't given God no glory. Roe v. Way overturned. You would have, you'd have thought he said, well, thank God. You know what he said? You're welcome. That's not God. If someone is a God, if someone is a, what, what does 1 Corinthians chapter 12 say? No one can say to me, Lord, Lord, except by the Spirit, and no man can call Jesus accursed uh, if they're speaking by the Holy Ghost. And I mean, something to that effect, you know, uh, that, Ted, read it. Oh, no, forget it. Take your attention. Hey, look, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, can you? Run, 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 run. First, first part of it, Joe, Joe, first part of it. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, good, 1 and 2, 1, 3, 4, no, 12, chapter something. I can't remember. All right. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I have your next verse. Uh, you know that you're a Gentile's next verse. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking, put it in the uh, uh, English Standard Version. Am I getting too far away from y'all? Let me go to this one. Therefore, I want you to understand, no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Do you know what that means? That means when you're in the Spirit, the Lordship of Jesus will be exalted. It, you can tell when someone's in the Spirit, Jesus is lifted up. When someone's not in the Spirit, everything but Jesus is lifted up. Jesus might be moving, but Jesus isn't magnified. He isn't Lord. And so... When, when, you when you have someone who is supposed to be a, of God and of the Spirit, then they're going, to, they're going to magnify the Lordship of Jesus. They're not going to take the glory for themselves. That's calling Jesus accursed. Does that make sense? All right. So, so this, this uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10, it's Saul, uh, Samuel prophesying to Saul, and he says this. Uh, verse 5, chapter 10, verse 5 says, After that thou shalt come to the... I'll wait for you, Joe. Are you there? All right, yeah. After thou shalt come 
to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines. It shall come to pass when you're come thither to the city that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabard and a pipe and a harp before them. And they shall prophesy. Verse six, and the spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. And thou shalt prophesy with them and shalt be turned into another man. Why was Saul turned into another man when the spirit of the Lord came on him? Well, because not, it's not you no more when the spirit of the Lord comes on you. It's not you no more. When the spirit of God comes on you, when the anointing comes on you, it's no longer, it's no longer you functioning by your ability. It's no longer you functioning of your own accord. It's, now it's the Spirit of God that's functioning through you. He's manifesting himself through you. And so um, the requirements for the anointing aren't that you live a holy life. Some people like uh, uh, Leroy Jenkins, at some point in that man's life, he was right with God. At some point, God trusted him with a gift. And he stepped away from he stepped he stepped away from having the kind of fellowship with God that was necessary to keep his flesh under subjection, and he got crazy. Listen, I'm t I'm, I, we went to the, we went to that meeting. I couldn't believe when I went to that meeting with that girl that when I you know you know the first person I met when I walked into that into that building the Holy Ghost. You know what I said? You know the first thing that came out of my mouth when I walked in, I said, Lord, what are you doing here? I didn't expect you to be here, Lord. I didn't. I didn't expect God to be there. But you know what? The Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, where is he? He's there. Amen. And there are people there. They, weren't, they were there. They, they believed in this man's ministry, but more, more so they believed in the Lord Jesus. Listen, I watched that man take and break a cast off of somebody's arm and start moving a, a hand that had been broken. I was, I, was, I was wincing in pain, when, and this guy was sitting just right behind me, and he took that guy's hand, and he was like, he's moving around, he says, there you go, be, I was like, my God, he, he took an old woman, I mean, she had to be 80-something years old, this old, old black woman, she says, Brother Jenkins, can you pray for me, my, my neck, I hadn't been able to move my neck for about two years, it's just been locked in one place. He goes, oh, come here, mama. And he went, <laughs> he started yanking her neck around. When she fell out, I thought he killed her. I'm, I'm he, wasn't, he wasn't gentle. I mean, he went to yanking her around. And, and then, she got, then she got up. I was like, thank God. But you know what she did when she got up? She's like, glory to God, Brother Jenkins. Hallelujah. Praise She She moving her head around. She couldn't move her, she couldn't move her neck. Now that wasn't that wasn't because Brother Jenkins was living right. That dude, that dude died. I don't even think Brother Jenkins was straight. You understand what I'm saying? In a lot of ways. He sure wasn't living right. I mean, he was offering prayer to people that were first first people he offered prayer to were those that brought five thousand dollars. And there were nearly 20 of them that did. There's 800 people in that meeting. After all this had come out, after he'd been to prison, when he was in prison, he'd call the church up on Sunday. He would be on the phone in prison. And you know what he'd be doing? There's a lady in a polka dot dress in the third row. 
on the right-hand side. She's seven people in. You came from Kentucky. The Lord's healing you right now. The doctors, they did a surgery on you, and they did a surgery to remove your gallbladder. But it didn't work. So the Lord says he's healing you right now. They, they, didn't, they didn't get it right. And that woman, would, there would be a woman there in a polka dot dress. This dude was in prison. It wasn't that his words were wrong because the anointing, the anointing works. Paul, Saul was turned into another man. You're turned into another. That's, that's, why, that's why it's important that you walk after God and, and maintain a relationship with Jesus. Because if you maintain a relationship with Jesus, it'll keep your feet on the ground and keep you from believing that somehow or another you're some great one. You're not a great one because you're anointed. Yeah, we're, we're, only, we're only as great as he said we were, and that's pretty great. But the fact that the anointing is upon us, and I, I see people all the time. I see people, <clears throat> yeah, I'm anointed. I have a gift. Well, good. You know, all of us have gifts. That's wonderful. But what are you doing with Jesus? What are you doing in your relationship with the Lord? So, and, and look what it says. It says, uh, so you'll be turned into another man. Look what verse 7 says. And let it be when these signs are come unto thee that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. Notice what it said. That's, that's the thing about the, when the Spirit of the Lord comes on someone. Do as the occasion serve you. Do you know what Leroy Jenkins did under the anointing? He did what the occasion served him. He, he used it for personal gain. But it was still the anointing. Still the anointing of God. Now, now let me, let me help, because I know some of y'all are still stirring in your mind. Let me help you with something. Do you know why you can't do that? Because some of you are like, well, if they can be jacked up and be anointed, I'm, I'm over here trying to be anointed. I'm loving God. I'm loving Jesus. I'm trying to live holy. Do you know what the difference is between you and them? Is that you think you have to be holy to be anointed. You don't think you're good enough to be anointed. They realize they didn't have to be good and they could still be anointed. See, some of you, some of you still think, I can't be anointed. I say, I'm no good, I'm no good. I'm no. That, that's, that goes without saying. <laughs> that goes without saying, but we've got to quit disqualifying ourselves from the, you know what? Many of you are doing better than many of the people that I meet on the trail of ministry that are in leadership, that are pastors of churches, that are preachers of the gospel. We've had people that came through our church and not many, I think I'm thinking of one, but that many of you, that your character you live on a higher level in your character than these people do. But you know what? They, they, they understand that God's going to anoint them. And they're confident. They have faith in that. They believe that. And because of that, when they get over there in that place, they've learned how to surrender to the anointing. That's what you've got to do. You've got to learn how to surrender to the anointing. You know, oh, yeah. you know what that means? You're going to have to face the anxieties that you face when the anointing is manifested. You're going to have to face the fears that try to come upon you when the anointing is manifested. 
Instead of saying, ooh, I can't get up there and talk, you got to be like, bless God, I know I don't want to get up there and talk, but Lord, when the anointing comes, I'm going to get up there and talk. You know what, you know what Eric's got to do? Eric's got to be willing to get up and play the song of the Lord, something that he didn't rehearse, something that he didn't rehearse with nobody. He's got to be willing to get over there in that place. You know, that was one of the amazing things that I've seen uh, in the anointing is there are people that they get so over there in the spirit. And so over there yielded to the anointing of God and to the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That, in a, that I mean, impromptu, off the cuff, they're writing a song, impromptu. I know a guy right now, pastor's in Alexandria, uh, uh, Louisiana. His name is Stan Pody. Stan Pody, man, he'll listen to you preach and um, he'll, get up to, he'll get up to sing a song and he will sing what you just preached. That's right. I mean, a good song. Verses, chorus, bridge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> write a whole song. One time I had a guy prophesy over me. His name, Dale Gentry. Stan was traveling with Dale Gentry. Dale Gentry prophesied over me, gave me a prophetic word. Stan Pody started singing the prophecy right after he got done. Oh, yeah. And then added to it in song. You know, if, uh, if we can get over there in the flow of the Spirit, you'll find out. The Holy Spirit don't need for you to practice no song to sing through you. Go ahead now. Boy, your, 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 fingers, your fingers don't have to know all, of pl- all the placements and all the... No- Listen, he will, he'll, the Holy Ghost, he'll set you free. And he'll put things in your hands and in your mouth. And, and he'll, he'll, he'll do... Beyond what you're capable of doing in the natural. And see, that's what, that's what we, when we talk about the gifts and ministries of the Spirit, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. So when it comes to the people that have failed in our, I had a guy that prophesied over me some of the things that are happening in my life right now. You know where he sits right now? In prison. And, and not for insurance fraud, for rape. Was his, was his word a word from God? Yes. Was he jacked up? Yes. Big time. And it ruined his reputation, ruined his ministry. And uh, now he sits in prison and he'll never do the work that God intended for him to do because he gave himself over to the flesh. So when the anointing comes upon an individual, you, you, have, to be, you have to be careful that when... If the anointing comes upon an individual that you understand that God is using that individual. And that individual, just because they just told you your name and they told you something about your life, and in the next breath they say, well, you know, I believe God's talking to people here to give $100. That don't mean that they really heard from God. Because look what, look what, it, look what Samuel said here. He said, thou do as occasion serve thee. In other words, once the anointing comes on you, you can use it however you want to use it. But you want God to be able to trust you with that anointing. You know, Brother Hagin Hagin said something. I know some of you are like, well, wait a minute. Why would God do that? Because the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Do you know what that means? That means once, once God gives you a gift, he never takes it back. Once he gives you something, 
I've, I've told you all this before, and it's hard for people to understand it, because you know why? Because you're religious. Now, I'm, I'm not going to point at you specifically. I'm saying this as a whole, because I know other people listen to this, so don't, don't, I'm not picking on y'all. But it has to do with re being religious. It's what we learned from religion. Because, you know, all these, all these pastors that have never been anointed, the reason why they say they're not you know, anointed is because, well, you got to live right. You don't have to live right to be anointed. In fact, the Bible says that there were, there were occasions when demons came, came on Saul, and he was also anointed. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. <laughs> Peter, Jesus looked at Peter, said, uh, Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. Three verses later, Peter says, oh, no, you're not going to die. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Same guy. Same guy. Did that mean Jesus didn't love Peter? No, man, they had the conversation. He loved Peter, and Peter loved him back. But Peter gave himself over to a wrong spirit every now and then. But guess what? The anointing turned him into another man. We know it turned him into another man because the Bible says he was the first. He was the one that denied Jesus uh, before the before the rooster crowed. He denied Jesus how many times? Three times. Three times he denied Jesus. Three times he denied. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came upon him, he was the first one to break down the door and say, "These are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the." Third. He was the first one to get out there and boldly preach the gospel because the anointing turns you into another individual. That's why you need the anointing. Because some of you are timid, but under the anointing, you're not timid. Some of you, you can't, you can't, it's hard for you to say the truth. Amen. Are y'all hearing me today? Because you're for fear of reproach, for fear of the loss of fellowship, for fear of, but when the anointing comes on you, you'll speak truth and, and, you, and you won't be afraid. You won't be afraid. What was I going to, what was I going to do with this? Oh, yes. I was going to give it to you. So God, he gives us, if he gives us something, he doesn't take it back. Ayla's like, I'll take it. <clears throat> so now the gifts of the spirit, because some of you are like, well, aren't the gifts of the spirit his gifts? Yeah, they're his gifts. Don't they function as he will? Yeah. But if he gives you a gift, if he gives you an anointing. So let's, the anointing within, let's, let's talk about this. The anointing within is for every believer. Every, say this with me. Say, I'm anointed. I'm anointed. Do you know why you're anointed? Because God's spirit lives in you. The, the anointing is in you. You're like, I don't feel it. You don't have to. God's spirit lives in you. Because God's spirit lives in you, the Bible says you have an unction. You have an anointing. That anointing is in you. The anointing that is in you is not the same as the anointing that comes upon you for work. The anointing that's in you is for your walk. For your personal walk. The anointing is, uh, comes upon you is for your work, for the work that God does through you. One is for the walk, one is for the work. So God's spirit in you, are y'all hearing me? God's spirit in you, we, we talked about it Sunday, gives you the ability to live for him, to serve him, to worship him, to explore the depths of his nature. To, to, uh, to get a revelation of the different facets of the nature of God. To see the deep things of God. That's what, that's what that scripture in 1 Corinthians talks about. 
uh, when, when you start to see those things, all of a sudden you become holy like he's holy. Now you don't want to live the way you lived before because you saw something you've never seen. You've experienced something you've never experienced. See, the Spirit of God will take you on a journey where, where you don't have to, by willpower, give up the things that you know you need to give up. There's no way you can do it. The law, that's why the law came, is to prove to you you couldn't do it yourself. But when you, get it, when you, when you start walking after the Spirit that God put in you, and you let, you let the Holy Spirit dictate the journey that He takes you on, the, the, the anointing that's in you, then He'll teach you everything you need to know. He'll show you everything you need to see. He'll reveal everything that needs to be revealed to the point where those things that have easily beset you will fall off of you. I'm telling you, church, I know it's hard to fathom, but I'm telling you, when you follow the, the Holy Spirit, you're not going to want to do this. When you set out on this journey to follow the anointing that's in you, your flesh is going to rebel against you big time. You're going to go to pray, and you're not going to be able to pray, but for two minutes before you start, before one eye, I, I, Eric does it real good. He, got, he can close one eye, and he look, he look all janky, you know, like he's about to die or something. But that, that, that's, 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 what, that's, what happens to your, that's what happens to your flesh. Your flesh starts to rebel. Your flesh don't want you pressing into God, and Everything that's in you will try to stop you from starting that journey. But once you get deep enough into that journey that the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, everything changes. Now, now all of a sudden, you're like Smith Wigglesworth, who said, and different people say it different ways, but I'm going to say it the way I heard it. Smith Wigglesworth said, I never pray longer than 15 minutes, but I never go more than 15 minutes without praying. Because as you get into that flow, now all of a sudden you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't just pray an hour a day. You don't go through a book and, you know, Larry Lee had a book, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? You don't have to go through the Could You Not Tarry With Me One Hour book. All of a sudden, you can't, you, you can't help but pray. All of a sudden, you find yourself praying and you're like, man, I'm praying. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you wake yourself up praying. You're brushing your teeth, you're praying. Then you begin to realize that you, you're spending most of your time praying. And that prayer is, is changing things. It's changing you personally, in your own spirit, in your own life. Your relationship with God is deeper. All of a sudden, your desires change. You know the Bible, when the, where the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart? Right? We, what we think is, well, God will give us what we desire. But you know what? You know what that scripture also means? When you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires that he wants you to have. And you'll desire what he wants you to desire. He'll implant the desires that he wants to implant in your heart. <laughs> Listen, and that, that's when it gets nice. Because now all of a sudden, you're not going after your own will, you're going after his will. All right? So God's spirit in me. There's, there's a reason why I can't get up here and, then, and, and, and put you in the same place that I am in my personal walk with God. Because his spirit, the anointing that's in me is for me. It's not for you. The anointing in you is for you. That's why I can't make people get saved. That's why I can't make you have the same kind of fellowship I have with God. That's why I can't lay hands on you and, and, and uh, uh, impart what I'm talking about. Because if I could, I would. 
Man, I'd have done it a long time. I, in fact, I'd be standing at the door every Sunday morning. There wouldn't be no greeters. It'd be pastor. And I'd just be laying my hands on you as you walked in. Glory to God. Get in here. Amen. Take it in the name of Jesus. I'd be, I'd be putting in you what God put in me a long time ago. You understand? But the, the, the anointing that's in us is for us. Now, the anointing upon us. That's where the gifts of the Spirit come from. The anointing coming upon us. The Spirit of God, same things. It's the same Holy Ghost. But He works different when He comes upon us. So some of the gifts, when they work in us, He says, here, I'm going to let you use this for 10 minutes. Here, you're go oh, you're going to mercy? Here, you need to take this with you. Now, give that back to me when you leave. I'm going to let you use what is, what is mine. This ain't, this ain't yours, it's mine. But you need it when you go to mercy. Gifts of healing. You need it when you go to mercy. So here, I'm going to let you use that. And when you, when you get done at mercy, you know, get it back from you. So they, he lets you use the gifts as he will. But then, if, if, you, if you can find a, you can win a place. Things are, listen church, I'm going to tell you something. I can't believe we're already 815. I'm going to tell y'all something. Things are about to change drastically around here. I'm, I'm going to tell you why. I was at Apostle O. Michael Smith's church. Y'all know I was in a while. I went to Apostle Smith's church. I hadn't been to Apostle Smith's church in years. I got up there to preach. Apostle Smith gave me the microphone, and we, got, we immediately stepped into the anointing. We immediately stepped into a place, and we were like, all right, praise God. You have to understand, Apostle Smith, he came out of the Baptist church. When Apostle Smith preaches, y'all saw him, he'd be reading his message. But it's powerful because of the anointing that's on his life. And so Apostle Smith, I get done preaching, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to stop there. And Apostle Smith, come on, man, I, I apologize. I kept him late. I kept him real late. It was, it was on. It was right. Apostle Smith got up. Now, he's very unassuming. He didn't get up there and say, it wasn't like that at all. He said, Brother Ziggy, I was sitting over there, and the Lord told me something. He said, our church needs a reset. And the Lord said, he sent you here for that. He said, folks, if you need a reset, I want you to get out of your chair. I want you to come up here. Brother Ziggy's going to lay hands on you, and there's going to be a reset. Well, I'd already, I'd already gotten away from the pulpit, and I went, I went back up there because he called me up there, and man, I feel it right now. When, when he said that, now, at first, it didn't take with me. He said, reset, and I'm like, well, I'll, I'll do my best. I'll lay my hands on some people, you know, and pray for them, and I, I'm not really hearing that myself, but you know, sometimes you don't have to hear it. But he said, reset, and you know what the Lord said to me? He said, not only am I resetting them, I'm resetting you. God told me this. He said, get ready. He said, you hadn't laid hands on everybody for a long time. He says, uh, he said, I used to let you just go in and demonstrate. He said, guess what? He said, I'm about to release you to demonstrate again. He said, I'm about to turn you loose to flow in the anointing that I put on you. He said, you're not just going to start, uh, continue to encourage people to step into their anointing. He says, I'm turning you loose in the anointing that I put on your life. He says, I'm resetting you. He says, you're going to begin to lay your hands on everything that moves again. And he says, now I'm going to begin to demonstrate in a greater measure than I did in the past in your life and in your ministry. I mean, it hit me. It hit me that, man, I went to laying hands on people and there was just something stirring in me.
I walked out of there. I was like, no wonder the Lord said Apostle Smith was important to my destiny. Man, we went, we went to Reuben's church and started happening. I feel it right now. I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's going to be a day that you walk in here and your pastor's going to get up and we're going to be in the middle of singing and you're going to watch me come up and grab the microphone and then all of a sudden the atmosphere is going to change. And listen, it's not going to be something contrived. You're going to literally feel the entire atmosphere in this church shift. I mean, it'll... You, you would swear that if you looked at those chandeliers, they'd be swaying with the change that happened in the atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Because that's the way the anointing has worked in my life. That's the way the anointing has worked in my life. I, I was getting ready to tell you the story about them singers that traveled with me. Them singers that traveled with me, they came with me. One of them ended up being a singer for Brother Hagen over at Ramah. She became a Ramah singer. I'm going to have her come one day minister, but... One day we went into we went into a church. Uh, in fact, it's a, a little church off of I thirty five and was it 89th, a little little ways beyond 89th Street. There's a little wedding chapel off to the. If you're going south, it's off to the right of I thirty five. If you're going north, uh, it's 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 off to the west side of the of the street. And uh, it used to be called Brookside. Yeah, a little white. It was a wedding chapel. Well, there used to be a church that met in there. Well, they asked me to come and, and minister, so I took my singers with me. And we got in there, and here's the thing about the anointing. It, when, when, I was, when the Lord had me in that evangelistic call, and, and I was pursuing the Lord in that, in that avenue, <clears throat> when the anointing would hit, <laughs> you could ask Pastor Eddie. She's been there. When the anointing would come, it, it, would, it, would be, it would be like if someone took off. It, it would be just like this. If I took off my shoe and threw it at you and hit you with it, that's how the anointing would come in the meetings. Right. Except everybody would be getting hit with the shoe. And I, I, remember, I remember when it would happen. It, it was always something that was a blessing to me. It was shocking to me because it would be so dramatic. The change in the atmosphere would become so dramatic that people, they, they, people would literally, their jaws would drop, their eyes would get big, and they would immediately begin to weep before God. I mean, it was, inc- it was, super, it was super duper natural. Oh, yeah. And that's what happened that day. We was up there. These girls and this guy, they didn't know nothing. They didn't know coming. We started doing a song. Um, the blood. The blood that Jesus shed for me. Way back on Calvary. You know, they're, they're singing it. And I came in with a verse. It soothed all my doubts and calmed my fears. When I got to that, calmed all my fears, all of a sudden, the atmosphere shifted. Man, I'm telling you, it was like someone set a fire in that place. And everything changed. Everything changed. In an instant, in a moment, everything changed. Oh, yeah. Now, see, I, I've always been aware of the fact that that, that, anointing, that, that, that that anointing upon me has never changed. It's always, that anointing has always been there to work. But why haven't I been in that anointing? Well, because that isn't what he wanted. Now, I could, you know what? I could have gone and done exactly how I wanted to do. Because God, at at some point, because of, of my walk with him, he entrusted me with a gift. He gave me a gift. He said, here it is. 
And when God, when God lets you use a gift, that's one thing. But when he gives you a gift, now if you're following God's spirit in you, you're going to use that gift according to his will. He's going to say, now, here you go. You can... But some people, God gives them a gift. Now, if I give, Melody, if I give this to you, and you chose to use it as a doorstop, could you do that? You, I guess you could. It's not what it was designed for, right? But if I gave it to you, you can do whatever you want with it, right? You could use it as a tennis racket. If, I mean, it's not a very big one, but if you really wanted to, or if you played ping pong, you could use it as a paddle, um, I reckon you could use it to, uh, uh, to, to crack uh, walnuts if you're, you know, or pecans or whatever. I mean, you could smash stuff up with it. Um, you could use it as a small cutting board. You could, use, well, sushi. You could make sushi on it if, if you wanted to. I mean, all, it would work for all those things. But that's, that's not what this was designed for, is it? But when God gives you something, you can use it any way you want to, even if it's not designed for that. Because he gave it to you. And if you use it for something that it's not designed for, yeah, you're, you know, one day you're going to face uh, consequences with what you did, with what he entrusted you with. If God trusted you enough to put in an, you know, that anointing for people get fillings in their teeth, that anointing, that, that gifting is, that's, that gifting is still available to come okay. upon me. God, God entrusted me to anoint me in that way. That anointing that changes atmosphere. That anointing for the miraculous. That anointing where the wind... Man, you know, we've had, we've, had, we've had three services where the wind blew into the meeting. Oh, yeah. Where if the kind of wind that blew into those meetings blew into this church, that it would set these chandeliers to swaying. And I'm, not ta I'm talking about violently. That's how strong the winds were. Oh, yeah. Those little... Pieces of, of glass on there would be jingling with the wind that we had come into those meetings. I mean, a physical, tangible. Y'all, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. A tangible. Wind. Guess what? That anointing is. That's that's the anointing God put on my life. That's right. You say, Pastor Zig, why ha why 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 don't you do it then? Because I don't want to do anything outside of what He tells me to do. Right. And you know what He told me to do? He told me to teach y'all. He, he, you know what he told He said, you need to quit demonstrating and you need to teach other people how to walk after the Spirit. Oh, yeah. I knew one day we'd go back to demonstrating, but, and, and I love it. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. But you know what I love more? I love, I love teaching people that they can get in the flow of the Holy Ghost and seeing them get over in the demonstration of the power of God. Now, see, when that happens around here, some of you are going to get tempted to think, wow, now, now it's on. No, it's always been on. It's just that anointing upon us, it affects us in our... It, if, when that anointing comes on me, it's for you. And you know how it'll affect you? It'll affect you in your soul, in your feelings, in your physical body. That's why some of you can go to a Rodney Howard Brown meeting and get drunk in the spirit and then come home and not go any farther in your walk with God. Because that spirit upon you doesn't help you in your walk with God. It's the spirit in you that helps you with your walk with God. Amen. So is the anointing upon people? Is it, if, if, they, if they get off track, is, is what they told us still good? Yeah. 
I don't want to bring this up. I'm trying not to bring stuff up that, uh, uh, you can shut that off, Joe, because I think we're going to probably be done with there. Whoever's not here is going to miss the rest of this. I'm going to let Anna 